All right, well, welcome to this episode of the Texas Tech edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jackson Moody. If y'all could, go ahead and take a few seconds to give us a five-star review. If you send that into Heartland College Sports, you'll get a free koozie in the mail. It really helps us grow the show. But we got a lot to talk about today. Texas Tech beats Tarleton State 41-3. We're not going to spend much time recapping that game, but there were some interesting things that happened. Mainly the Baron Morton Tyler Shuck um, discussion, we'll say discussion, got ramped up a notch because Baron Morton went in, looked really good, and there was some good signs on defense. So we'll talk about that and preview a massive game against West Virginia as Texas Tech finally opens up Big 12 play, and they actually get to start that at zero zero. So we're not going to take too long on Tarleton here, but I do want to talk about a few things that went well for Texas Tech. That's a positive sign going into Big 12 play. The defense looked good. So, and it is an FCS team, and Tarleton had been playing FCS teams, but Tarleton is a team that put up 52 in each of their first two games. And you held them to three points. You held them to nothing when your starters were in. You didn't let them get in the end zone. I thought the defense looked pretty good. A lot of young guys played well. I, I think I spoke last week. I, Steve Linton still has some work to do. He has not looked good for Texas Tech this year. Miles Cole, I thought he made a positive stride against Oregon. He continued that against Tarleton with a couple of sacks. I think your linebackers have looked really good for you so far. Although, Josiah Pierre did go down for a bit. That's going to be a bit of a concern. But Ben Roberts has filled in really well. Defensively, 27 total players got on a, on the stats sheet, meaning a tackle or a pass deflection. So you got to blood a lot of young players. Obviously, true freshman uh, Brendan Johnson has looked really good for you so far, kind of alternating with Bakersville in that star position. Offensively, I talked about last week, we needed to run the ball more. And that's what we did. Taj Brooks got 19 touches. Went for 158 yards. He looked really good. And now that is against an FCS opponent. You're not going to quite have those numbers against West Virginia this week. But it is a good sign that they're willing to give him the ball. And he's productive with it. And he was even able to use his body on on some accounts to turn a negative play into a positive play of about four yards. Nehemiah Martinez, he's a guy who was a slot receiver last year. Played pretty decently. It got kind of crowded in that slot receiver room, obviously, with Dre McCray coming in. You had Miles Price. You have Xavier White there already who's been productive for you when he's on the field. But he looked pretty good. And his build his build looks kind of like Taj Brooks. Um, so they're not quite alike for like, but they are fairly similar builds. If Taj is exhausted or goes down for a few plays and you need somebody other than Cameron Valdez, somebody who's more of a power back. He's a really good option going into the rest of the season. Wide receivers, Miles Price still dropped balls. He had that great catch against or great catch for the touchdown from Baron Morton, which I'm going to be honest, that was not a catch. He dropped that football, but uh, they counted at either way. Jordan Brown, I thought that he he showed flashes in the first two games, especially, I'm not sure if it was the last drive or the next to last drive against Wyoming, but when he made that catch down the sideline where he kind of had to come back for it, he was covered. That was, he had a big day today. He got six catches for 73 yards and a touchdown. Tharp, 
he got three catches, 43 yards, a touchdown. Cup was out. Cup will be back this week against West Virginia. And Gino Garcia, obviously a big confidence boost for him. I thought that kick at the end of the Oregon game was going to be big for him mentally. He goes two for two today. Nothing really difficult, but, oh, I believe it was a 43-yarder in there. So he's able to hit the kicks that you you really need your kickers to be able to hit. And now for the thing that's seems like it's become a weekly tradition to talk about on this show, the quarterback play. Tyler Shuck did not look good at all. So Shuck's final stat line was 10 of 20 for 123 yards, one touchdown, and his QBR was about a 16.1, which is not good. He played a clean game, but it and I was listening back when I was re-watching it to the broadcast. They were talking about Tyler Shuck looked like he was playing with the governor. He looked terrified of throwing an interception or making a mistake. He looked like he felt like one interception was going to cost him his career. It it was just... And now, to be fair, you don't need to do that much against Tarleton State. It is Tarleton State. But... And if there is ever a time to get right, it's against that defense a defense that has allowed a lot of points this season and you couldn't you couldn't do that he just played scared the entire game and then second drive of the third quarter and Joey McGuire came out said after the game said this was the plan all along or he even said that during halftime but Baron Morden comes in to a standing ovation and a really loud cheer goes eight of 13 60 uh 72 yards two touchdowns he took he threw an interception which wasn't his fault Lil fungi missed a check and was blocking 20 yards downfield which i gotta say i the announcers on that were they were they had just been praising bear Morton looks good he's hasn't made mistakes yet and then that happens, and right after they're they're saying that's kind of weird, and the announcers just exclaim, "He's blocking on the rewatch." I mean, I do not know what Loke Fungi was thinking there. I think it's pretty safe to say your starting outside receivers against West Virginia this week are going to be first off, obviously, Jerram Bradley, and then Jordan Brown, because Loke Fungi just has not been productive for you this year at all, and. This QB conversation, it's a conversation for the fans to have right now because nothing's going to change. Tyler Shuck is the starter against West Virginia. But I got to say, our wide receivers have not been getting separation. Baron Morton seems more willing to throw the receivers open, which I think is necessary here, than Tyler Shuck does. And I get that Baron Morton, he has some interception problems. I, I think he has six interceptions from last year. And then now he has one this year. One of those seven, the wide receiver missed an audible and was blocking. One of them, his wide receiver fell. So it's a bit misleading for how small the sample size is on Baron Morton's interception problems. One of them also, it it should have been a touchdown. I believe it was uh, Sparkman who got it wrestled away against Baylor. He really, three of his seven interceptions were not on him. They were on the receiver. So... I, the leash has got to be short for Tyler Shuck this week. It has got to be short. If he is struggling in the first half, you have to throw Baron Morton in there in the second half. And I get that they may think that he's not ready to run the offense completely. But if if it's like Wyoming again, and if it's 
that situation where Tyler Shuck just doesn't look great, you're, you're struggling, you need a spark, go ahead and throw Baron Morton in there. Because he's the guy that can give you a spark right away. I prefer it if he was a full-time starter because he obviously has a better upside. He has a better arm. I mean, that throw that he made to Miles Price, it, it was a great throw. It was just tap the ball, throw it, put it to where only his receiver could get it. Then that third down play to Jordan Brown where he's, where he's scrambling, has a man in his face, throws it off balance perfectly to Brown for a touchdown. I mean... Those are throws we really haven't seen out of Tyler Shuck, especially this season. And we know that he has he has upside to him. We saw that against Ole Miss. We saw it against Oklahoma. But he's had three bad games to start the year. His best performance was probably against Oregon. And even there, he committed three turnovers that cost you the game. I, I guess he had the fourth. I'm not holding that last one against him because it was desperation mode. But that pick six, that interception out the block punt the fumble in the red zone are just absolute killers and he's good 90 to 95 percent of the time and then the other five percent of the time he just absolutely breaks your back and it, it's tough to watch but that's going to do it for the non-conference one and two in the non-con but Texas Tech gets to open up big 12 play at zero and zero this week also some injury notes Baylor Cup Tyler Owens, Koi Eakin, Cameron Valdez, and Joseph Adaderade are all back this week. They all missed last week. They'll all be back. So Koi Eakin, he's been out since uh, a couple weeks into camp, maybe just one week into camp. He's back for you. He can play either slot or outside receiver. Tyler Owens, obviously he's a safety. There's a good chance that Lux is the main safety this week, and he sees limited reps. Baylor Cup gives you just another option in that tight end game. Joseph Adaterate, he's going to be important because if Steve Linton keeps struggling, Joseph Adaterate's going to get a good amount of time. And just looking ahead to Big 12 play because you're starting the season 0-0 here. The expectations for this team, or the goal for this team, should still be to compete for a conference title. I mean, this is a wide-open conference. Kansas State... And TCU are two of probably the top five contenders. TCU struggled against, uh, they struggled really week two against Nichols State for a bit. And they struggled against Colorado defensively. I think they're going to get better as the season goes on. But you get them at home. Kansas State just lost to Missouri, which isn't a terrible loss by any means. But they are a bit banged up right now. They may not be as good as we thought. Will Howard's doubtful. They do have a good backup quarterback. But Treshawn... Ward is probably out as well and you look at Texas they look good against Alabama but Alabama doesn't look like a great team they look shaky against Wyoming for three quarters and they didn't look great against Rice in the first half so we'll still have to wait and see on Texas until you get a little bit more of a sample size OU they've looked great but they haven't played anyone UCF obviously they have the John Rice Plumley injury Kansas has looked really good so far, but this is a wide-open Big 12 conference right now. And three of the six teams I just mentioned, you play at home, you only have to go on the road for two of them. This is a completely wide-open conference. Texas Tech looked bad against Wyoming. Their defense has really looked good in every game. Like I talked about before, you didn't allow a single touchdown when your starters were in the game for the first three quarters against Tarleton 
who has put up yes against FCS opponents, but 52 in their first two games each. This defense can win you games. The offense has to look more like it did against Oregon, just with less mistakes. Because they look, if you play like you did against Oregon, but cut down that fumble, cut down one of those interceptions, you can be a really good team and a team that's really tough for anybody in this conference to beat. But looking ahead to West Virginia, this is likely your toughest game in your first three Big 12 games. You get Houston at home, which offensively just looks like an absolute mess right now. You get Baylor on the road, which who put up a good fight against Utah, didn't look that good to long, against Long Island. They're currently two touchdown dogs to Texas at home, and you're probably going to have a decent amount of fans in their stadium because their fans didn't even show up for Utah. Garrett Green probably is out for West Virginia this week. He's likely to be out. That leaves Nico Marikiel. I'm sorry, I probably butchered that name. But he got them the win over Pitt. He didn't have to do much, though. He was 6 of 9 for 60 yards with a touchdown and an interception. He had 9 carries for negative 5 yards because the sacks get rolled into that. He's actually from the same high school as Tyler Shuck. But West Virginia is going to try to beat you by running the ball all day. That's, that's how they have to play this game. They have one of the most, if not the most, experienced offensive line in the Big 12. C.J. Donaldson, this past week, had 18 carries for 102 yards and a touchdown. He's a really good back. They do have another back behind him. Jalen Anderson, who had 19 carries for 62 yards, which isn't the greatest split, but he gets a lot of touches. They're going to try to slow this game down, which means it's going to be even more important for Texas to take advantage of their offensive possessions. Just some key notes, because I don't think that West Virginia is going to throw the ball that much. I don't think they're really built to put up a lot of points by any means. I, I think they are just completely built as a running team. At least that's how they should be built if they want to win games. But they have a couple good receivers. Uh, so Devin Carter's a guy that everybody's familiar with. He has seven catches for 105 yards this season. He's been over 400 yards on the year every year since 2019 and got over 500 in 2021. There is a breakout guy, Hudson Clement. He's a freshman. He has six catches for 187 yards and three touchdowns so far this season, including three catches against Pitt this past week. So those are two names to watch in their receiving, in their receiving room. One name for the tight end is Cole Taylor. He's not going to put up a ton of numbers, but he's having a bit of a breakout season. He's played four years before this, has never had more than 70 yards in a single season, He's already had eight catches for 107 yards, and he scored the game-winning touchdown against Pitt last week. Now, this is a West Virginia team that Texas Tech has completely had their number. Even, even during the Matt Wells era, they had their number. Neil Brown has not been able to beat Texas Tech to save his life. But this is going to be a pretty confident team. They looked pretty decent for three quarters against Penn State. They struggled with their FCS opponent, and now I don't think Pitt's that good, but they did go beat their arch rivals without their starting quarterback, and now they're likely without their starting quarterback again. And I will say, in the interest of sportsmanship, I think we should sit our starting quarterback too and let Baron Morden start for us. 
But this is a team that they're going to slow the game down. Their defense looked good against Pitt. Now, Pitt's quarterback is absolutely terrible. He is not a good quarterback at all. But they gave up less than 100 passing guards to them. And pretty much they just had to take a knee the second half and probably could have won the game the way that Pitt's offense was going. But you're facing a now confident West Virginia team. And the tough thing for them too is if they had lost that game, the fan base probably would have been out on Neil Brown. They probably wouldn't have gotten much support. Now you're facing them at at their place after they just beat their arch rivals, and they may see a sign of life in this Neil Brown tenure right now. And if they get up on you early, you could you could be in trouble. Obviously, Joey McGuire's only won one road game as Texas Tech's head coach. He is 1-5 and five on the road. And now he did win the neutral side game. But I think people are reading a little bit too much into the road losses. One of them was at NC State with a backup quarterback before Devin Leary went down for them. One of them, you lose to Kansas State where you were tied going into the fourth. Kansas State was just a better football team. You lose at Oklahoma State, a game you probably win if Baron Morden doesn't get hurt, then obviously you lose at TCU, who's a college football playoff team, and then you get the win over Iowa State. The only really bad loss I saw on the road, or loss that you weren't expected to lose, was definitely just to Wyoming. I think that this is a big statement game for McGuire this week, and this coaching staff, to show that they can win on the road. And it's a game that if you win, you should be able to start 3-0 and in Big 12 play before Kansas State comes to town. And you could be looking at a massive Big 12 title title implication game in Lubbock against Kansas State, possibly a night game, if you can win this one. If you lose this one, at best you're starting 2-1 and one in the Big 12, and you still have to go to Lawrence, still have UCF come into your place, still play Kansas State, TCU, and Texas on the road. It looks like the Big 12 title race is just about over at that point. But if you can go pick off a win here, you should beat Houston. And then you're looking at that Baylor game with a really good chance to get 3-0, which sets you up really good to come top two in the Big 12. And I want to round back to some comments on the Shuck-Morton situation because there's been a lot of talk that Joey just will not bench Tyler Shuck. I may push back on that. Last week I said I wanted to see Barron get some reps early. And now it wasn't first half reps, but he got almost the entire second half to run the offense. Do you think that you're doing that when Tyler Shuck's struggling? If you're completely sold on Tyler Shuck? Or do you want Barron Morton to get reps because you think there's a good chance that you're going to need him ready in the next couple weeks? Because that's where I'm leaning on this. I think that there is a really good chance that sh- that that Morton, if Shuck struggles, will come in in the second half. And now I hope that doesn't happen because something would be going wrong then. Hopefully we get a Tyler Shuck revenge game like we saw against Oklahoma, like we saw against Ole Miss. But if it doesn't pan out like that, Joey McGuire is going to need to make a change. And I think he knows that. He knows that because you're going to have Baron Morton as your starter next year anyways. Do you think that he's not going to lose some credibility if he rides with Shuck and Shuck just struggles all year, then Bear Morton comes in next year and just lights it up? 
he he knows that if a change is needed, a change is needed. And he will make that change, I believe. Even though my leash would have been even shorter on Tyler Shuck. But looking at the Big 12 this week, just some picks. Um, around the Big 12, there's only two non-conference games. SMU at TCU. TCU's minus six and a half. I don't really have any thoughts on that game at all. Uh, Sam Houston State at Houston. Houston is minus 12 and a half. And this is interesting to me. So I think if you want to bet on this game, Sam Houston State plus 12 and a half is a very attractive bet. Houston's offense has been terrible, terrible this season. Sam Houston State allowed 14 points to BYU, a BYU team that just went into Fayetteville and put up a lot of points, and 13 points to Air Force in their only two games of the season. Air Force just went and put up, what was it, 38 or something like that against Utah State. That is a very attractive line. Even though Sam Houston State only has three points in their first two games, if they can find the end zone once, I can't see Houston covering that spread. But Big 12 Conference games this week, which finally we have six Big 12 games, which is great to see. Oklahoma at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's minus 14 and a half. Oklahoma really hasn't faced anyone this year. Cincinnati just lost to Miami of Ohio at home. But it was a rivalry game. They did go on the road and beat Pitt the week before that. I think that Cincinnati should keep this within two touchdowns against Oklahoma. I don't think that it's going to that Oklahoma is going to be in an insanely stressful game, but I can definitely see Cincinnati keeping this within two touchdowns. BYU goes to Kansas. Kansas is eight and a half point favorites, which to me is pretty crazy because Kansas, I still feel like they have a bit of a leaky defense. Now, I don't think they have a bad defense, but it's a bit leaky. BYU has a pretty good defense. They've shown that they can score. I think BYU will definitely keep this within eight and a half. I, I think that this is going to be a game that comes down to the wire. And also, it is in Lawrence, but it's also BYU, so they're going to have a good traveling fan base based off of just Mormons that live in the area. Oklahoma State goes to Iowa State. This is a game I would stay away from. Iowa State's three and a half point favorites. I guess I would go with Iowa State because they didn't just absolutely get killed at home by a G5 team, but... Man, that over-under of 36.5, I can't see either of these. I I mean, each team would have to reach about 18.5. I can't see either of these teams putting up 17 right now the way their offenses are going. Two more games before the Tech one. Texas goes to Waco. Texas is 15.5-point favorites, which to me is a lot. It's in Waco. It's a huge game for them. Baylor's coming off of a pretty easy week against Long Island. They look good against Utah. They really did look good against Utah, or decent. I know Sawyer Robinson's still going to be the starter, the kid from Lubbock. I think that Baylor's going to make this closer than people think. I don't think Baylor can pull off the upset, but I think that they can keep it within a touchdown. I can't. I don't really see it being a 16, 17-point game here. UCF at Kansas State, this is probably the biggest one of the week in the Big 12 as a whole. You could argue BYU-Kansas as well. But UCF is a team with real Big 12 title hopes. And now, John Rice Plumley obviously is going to be out. So it's going to be McLean. 
McLean looked good. They went and or they were at home, but they blew out Villanova. And by the way, Villanova is a really good FCS program. There's some FCS programs like Morgan State where you look at them and say, okay, this is going to be easy. Then there's some like what Appalachian State used to be, what North Dakota State still is, that are kind of difficult, and they blew them out. They took care of business. They got to get their new quarterback some reps. It's four and a half points the spread because there's been a lot of injuries come out um, with Trayshawn Ward injured, Will Howard injured. I think Kansas State still has a good quarterback, but I probably, I'd lean Kansas State to cover here, but this is going to be a really interesting game. Obviously, people wanted to see Will Howard versus John Rice Plumley, but these backup quarterbacks that both teams have are almost just as interesting as the starters are for these two teams. So that's going to be a fun game to watch. Then obviously, Texas Tech at West Virginia. Texas Tech's six-point favorites. I think this should be a game that Texas Tech wins by 10. You're more talented. I, I don't see how West Virginia scores on you that much. I really don't. The D-line's been the only disappointment, I'd say, on the defensive front this season. The linebackers have played better than expected, and your secondary has looked really good. I think Texas Tech should win this game by at least a, by a touchdown. By a touchdown to 10 points. It's going to be a nervy game into the fourth quarter. But if you're running the ball, if you can control some clock, give your defense a break. That's going to be a big part of this game for Texas Tech. You have to give your defense some rest. I mean, this is going to be a team that's going to ground and pound on you. You can't go no huddle every single play. Go tempo every single play and risk a quick three and out. If it's going to be a three and out, let it be a two-minute three and out where you take the play clock down every time and you still get another two and a half minutes for a commercial break because your your defense is probably going to be out there for sometimes seven, eight, nine, ten-minute drives against West Virginia if they run the ball like they're expected to. But that's going to do it for this one. A huge game on ESPN Plus at 2.30 Central as Texas Tech goes to West Virginia. 0-0 zero zero to start Big 12 play, so... Going to ignore the 1-2 and two record by Texas Tech's name right now. But that's going to do it. If you all can, take some time out of your day. Give this a five-star review if you go ahead and send a photo of the review or just rating to jacksonmoody37 at gmail.com. I will go ahead and get – we will go ahead and get a Heartland College Sports koozie to you. So that's going to do it for this one. Hopefully, we will be back next week talking about a 1-0 and Texas Tech team. And even if it's 0-1 in the Big 12, we'll still be back. Reckon.